Welcome to the Nick Taylor Horror Show. Radio Silence is a filmmaking collective comprised of Chad Villella, Matt Bettinelli-Ulpin, and Tyler Gillette. These three are behind such films as Devil's Do, Southbound, VHS, and last year's outstanding Ready or Not. I loved Ready or Not, and it was mostly struck at how seamlessly it was able to balance horror, comedy, and tragedy while being an outright thrill ride of a movie. This was hands down one of the funnest cinematic experiences of last year, which made me super excited to speak with these guys. They have a really fascinating origin story about how they all began their career making shorts on YouTube for years, finally working their way into the Hollywood system. There's really a lot to think about from the perspective of being part of a collective instead of being a solo filmmaker. As the old cliche goes, alone you'll go faster, together you'll go further. That clearly seems to be the case with these guys as they've kicked the door to Hollywood wide open with Ready or Not and they did it together. I really enjoyed this interview a lot. Matt Tyler and Chad are a blast to speak to and overall you can tell how much fun they have working together. There's a number of huge lessons here which I'll recap at the end as always but one of the most interesting elements of their career is how they prioritized having fun throughout the course of their career. And doing this was not only infectious on set and made their sets a whole lot of fun, but it seemed to enable all of them to endure the hardships that come with breaking into the movie making business. We get into this in a big way on today's very special episode of the Nick Taylor Horror Show. Now, without further ado, here is Chad Villella, Matt Bettinelli-Olpin, and Tyler Gillette, collectively known as Radio Silence. So how are you guys doing, first of all? Good, man. Getting back into it. Yeah? Just, just, yeah, coming off the break. Mm-hmm. Just getting our getting our, our feet back underneath us, but we're we're good, man. Coming off of a really good year. That's great. was very fun. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, I mean, first of all, I'd be remiss not to say just huge congratulations on Ready or Not. I mean, that was unbelievable. That was one of the funnest times at the movies I've had in a, in, a, in a while. So huge congratulations. Thank you so much, dude. No, of course. I mean, I loved it. It worked on, it worked, just works on so many levels. And as my dad says, like, you really get your money's worth. I mean, there's, there's humor. It has a... Th- kind of thrill sensibility to it as well. It just feels really well crafted in terms of just an overall theatrical experience. And the one thing that I felt really, really stood out, it has a level of just viscera to it that kind of reminded me of Fidi Alvarez's uh, Evil Dead. And I think it's because, because I heard you guys mention how you decided to do everything practically, all the effects practically, right? Yeah, yeah, as much as we could. And that's, thank you for that compliment. I mean, I, we're, we're fans of his and, and definitely you know, tried to bring a certain level of, of just grittiness, realness, grime, you know, to the, to the story as we could. That's, that's always an aim for us. We're not really interested in like perfectly crisp, you know, perfectly smooth imagery. Like we, we love sort of the chaos of, of our stories, the stories that we tell and trying to represent that uh, visually as much as we can is it's one of the, it's one of the fun, really fun parts of the craftsmanship for us is to kind of design, uh, design the kind of kinetic energy of, of a, of a project. Yeah. Well, you can definitely feel it in that movie. And I feel like practical effects are a huge part of that. I mean, it feels just in this CGI extravaganza era seeing things that are handmade just start the human connection to it i it uh, it just seemed to make the the bloodier scenes work so much more because i mean you just you everything you just felt you felt all of the hits of the many things that were enjoyable about that movie that's that really really shined through who did your effects by the way the locks up in canada 
Oh, nice. Yeah, the visual effects were, that, but we used a local. We used a local house called um, was it called Area One, I believe, in Toronto. Um, the Stephen and Joe's company. Yeah, for all of our practical stuff, and they were they were fantastic, they were, man. Uh, yeah, they 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 really rolled with it. You know, we didn't have a lot of time, and oftentimes practical effects go wrong on the day, right? And there were <laughs> there was no room for that shit on our schedule, and. You know, especially that final sequence, there was a lot of a lot to shoot, had to do it in had to do it in a very specific order. There just wasn't there was no room for error. And they uh, they 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 pulled it off, man. Nice. (laughs) Probably the only time that will happen in our careers (laughs) that you get a you get a series of effects that all go off without, you know, without a hitch. But, yeah, those dudes were those dudes were really great. Cool. Really cool. And as I was mentioning before, just the overall craftsmanship of the movie was really, it was so airtight in terms of being able to integrate horror and comedy and thrills and great performances. Um, in terms of a, the cohesion of all of those elements coming together, was there any kind of great care in putting together either some sort of a beat sheet or was there any kind of blueprint for how you guys were able to approach integrating all of these elements into something that felt very fun and cohesive and just, and worked on all these levels? I mean, what was the kind of uh, architectural process for putting that all together for lack of a better term? I mean, the, the short answer is the script which had had it all in it you know and and we worked with guy and ryan and the producer strip and jamie and and honestly searchlight too for a very long time like over a year almost two years to kind of hone it in to really like focus on all these things we're talking about and then when it got to the hands-on making of during production it was it was just about hiring department heads that we really vibed with, that we really got along with and understood that we were all on the same page. And I think, you know, when we think about like the costume design, the production design, the set deck, it's, and our DP, Brett, like we, we all had to work not that hard to get on the same page. And then once we were on the same page, it just kind of felt like a charmed experience where everybody was like, taking things that guy and write and written that we had in our heads and then just making them work. And it, it, it was a real wonderful experience to work with a whole bunch of extremely talented people who could kind of bring that to life for us. And, it, and, and honestly, as far as it, it, that goes into the edit too, you know, it's like in the edit, we're still working on like pace and tone and making sure that it's on the rails at all times and that it doesn't feel bloated. It's easy to make a movie feel bloated. You know, there's a, a real temptation, especially early on to be like, let's make this two and a half hours long. And then you're kind of like, well, or we could make it fun and enjoyable. And we chose the latter. Uh, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a process from day one to the, the last, the last moment that your fingers are on the cut. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure the fact that there are three of you guys probably uh, who are part of the integral team of it, it probably helps with all the multitude, the just multiple perspectives, obviously. Um, I mean, one thing I'm particularly fascinated about you guys is the the kind of collective element of radio silence. Are there any, because you guys have been together for, for a while now making films, are there any kind of keys to your collaboration? Because it feels like it's rare for, for to see kind of, you know, a trio in Hollywood who together are able to make movies like this. Is there any keys to this sort of, to your collaboration? Well, we definitely understand how rare it is because every meeting we go into, everybody's 
first question is always like, so how does this work? <laughs> you know, and we, we, we usually uh, dance around a couple of answers, but basically all it comes down to is preparation and, and just the best idea wins and always being up for the creative debate. You know, it's a, it's a little, it's, it's very fun dissecting stories inside and outside with your friends and, and being able to, to come up with like what is best for, for any given moment um, of production. And I think just other people who see how we work and how the collaboration goes and how it's always good natured and it's never it's never mean or spiteful and we're always just in it for the best what 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 is best for the project. And I think that 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 branches out into our department heads and and everybody else involved, like even the studio and the producers. They were they were like, oh, this this is actually more enjoyable than a lot of a lot of films and productions we worked on because you guys are all in it for the fun and you're in it for the creativity and you're in it for each other. And in the end that, that goes a long way as to setting the environment that we want, that we feel comfortable in and also guiding a project the way we want it to be done. Because obviously, you know, projects are talked about for, you know, months and months and years and years before you actually get to a set or you, before you even get to pre-production um, so we've been having these conversations internally amongst the three of us for a long time. And then when we get there and we actually get to see it um, start to manifest, then we're like, we, then we just get giddy excited. We're like kids. We're like, oh, my God, this is so great. Like, we can't wait to, like, design the, the choosing box that Grace picks a card out of or or like, holy cow, this room looks exactly like we wanted it to look or, you know, or or, or even like we need to change the well from like a deep water well to a pit in a barn we're like okay we could roll with that because the story elements all remain the same and and we get to build off each other's excitement and don't if one of us is frustrated the other two are there to to talk it out and to and to find the best solutions for it also just to add to that there's there's you know when you're younger and you're trying to get into making movies and you're trying to make movies and tell stories for a living it's really daunting and overwhelming and there's a certain kind of ethic that we have that was like, well, let's just not worry about the gatekeepers, you know, work work together, not worry about like, how am I going to get this, this little job to get this bigger job? And it was like, let's just go do our thing, you know? And I think that's just something we've done from day one. That's great. Yeah. Another question that I had was um, related to what you were just talking about is considering how daunting it is to get into Hollywood to make movies. The fact that there's three of you guys, I would imagine that that kind of helped you all have a better sense of resilience and endurance for getting for, for kind of breaking in, essentially. Is that accurate? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, it's um, there's that adage of like it, it takes a village to make something Right. There's it's it's so collaborative and there are so many people that that are needed to to make a single story come to life in that way. We bring the village with us. And, you know, <laughs> that was, that's, a, that's a huge that's a huge part of um, of I think why we've just fallen in love with the process. And honestly, it's a huge part of what our voice what our voice is. You know, we we started we, we kind of the proving ground for all of us. It was all born out of this collaboration. And. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, having, having people you trust creatively and who are your friends and your family kind of, kind of come, come up and, and, you know, help push you along the way. That's, um, it's a really huge thing and a really rare thing. And I think that, I think that all people have some sort of support system in their life. I think it's rare that 
you know, you, you find a support system that, um, that you feel so sort of aligned with and that there's that alchemy that allows it to, ex- to exist and, right. and that you're able to continue to make stuff and evolve and, and get better and, and discover new things and, and be inspired. And, and, you know, that certainly is, I, I think it's, it's hard to, we don't, we don't question it. You know, I don't, I don't think we always can put a, put a fine point on how it works and why it works, but it works and we, we really enjoy it. And at the end of the day, if it wasn't, um, if it wasn't something that was, that was creatively fulfilling and emotionally fulfilling, it, it'd, it'd be, we'd go off and do other things. And that's just, you know, that we, we've got something special. Yeah. So it's largely a matter of you guys having fun together and keeping that fun going. And there's an infectious energy that comes along with that, that, you know, spreads to the other studio heads and producers and people on set from what I understand. Yeah, man, absolutely. None of this is easy, right? Like if you're not enjoying it, (laughs) there's really no, there's really, it's, it's, I mean, it's already such an impossible feat to like get the thing from, from A to B. And the only way for it to work is if you, if you're in the trenches with people that you love and, and, and honestly, that that was just that was just in the DNA of how we how we work. You know, we came up shooting on the weekends where it was like, hey, I've got this great idea. We've got six dollars in our pockets. Uh, I'll buy pizza on this one. Let's all get together and go and go make the thing. It was never about some end goal. It was all about it was always about let's just go fuck around and have some fun with the camera. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, no big deal. But but the, the sort of the freedom of that, I think, is is very much where our voice sort of grew and developed from. And, and it was all about getting together, having fun, trying to surprise each other, trying to make each other laugh. And yeah, here we are. Yeah. And it sounds like that really expands into the actual set. I remember hearing Andy McDowell saying that she was after decades in, in Hollywood with her, her career, she was really refreshed at how collaborative you guys were and the amount of fun that was on set. Could you talk about the kind of, tone that you guys are in energy that you're able to create on set because i feel like it's so important particularly for for indie filmmakers that the set be an enjoyable experience particularly for people who are doing i don't know hypothetically doing their first film or or something low budget the overall energy on set can seemingly make or break your your actual movie but it sounds like the ready or not set was unbelievably fun and collaborative could you talk about how you guys were able to kind of to to keep that energy up on set and the precedent that you've set for the actors that kind of enabled them to get in on the fun that you guys already have as a as a collective yeah absolutely i mean it 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 kind of, what you just said kind of sums up our big big kind of overarching headline for how to how to run a set is like let's be collaborative we know what we want and that makes it easier to be like well what do you want out of this and how can we work together to make those things meld and you know when it comes to the actors a lot of it is about us trusting them to kind of inhabit the character in a way that might surprise us that might not be exactly what was on the page and to really like work with them to make sure that that they're comfortable bringing the character to life in a way that makes them it makes it fulfilling for them. And in doing that, it works. I would say a hundred percent of the time it's worked better for us than if we were to be like, it must be this way, you know? And right. again, I think this is going to be kind of a common theme, but it all comes from the way we used to work, which would be us and two or three friends with like a mic and just running around, you know, gorilla style. And and it was all like a lot of times, like the actors we used to work with were not actually actors. They were just our friends. So 
it'd be even less. It'd just be like, okay, you're the bad guy here. And then working together to be like, how can we get this to, to where it needs to be? And that goes through the department heads. It goes with the actors, this sense of like, we're all in this together. You know, we're just, we're working together. There's nobody's, you know, I'm sure you've heard this a million times, but it's like, we're not curing cancer. We're not building a rocket. It's, it should be fun. And if it's not fun, like Tyler said earlier, we should just find other things to do. Like we're incredibly lucky to be making movies and it's, it's easy to get frustrated, but I think that goes back to one of the things we like about being a trio is the three of us on our ride home after the set can kind of decompress and deal with like any shit that was driving us crazy Mm -hmm. as opposed to feeling like we just, I don't know who to turn to right now. And I just, frustrated because i feel like the whole world's against me it's a lot easier as a group to be like all right you know we'll figure this out we'll get through this and and i think it just it just it just carries through to the actors to the department heads and at the end of the day if somebody's if somebody's upset on set we it, it you know it throws everything off and that's like the last thing we want i think we've only had one person in our entire career so far who just didn't work personality wise you know and we had to nip that in the bud really quickly because it was kind of poisoning the well Mm. and how did you guys all kind of originally come together as a as a trio oh oh well it's been it's been a long time now um well i'll I'll go like since my very first day i moved to los angeles i was like uh commuting up from san diego trying to find an apartment found an apartment and went to an acting class that night and i sat down next to matt um, so it was kind of fortuitous that way. Um, and then Matt and Tyler worked together at New Line Cinemas, which is a, where we shot a lot of our early Chad, Matt, and Rob videos, the ones we did for YouTube. Um, and, and since 2009, we've been working and talking or texting every day since then. Um, our very first thing that we all worked on together was an interactive adventure, basically a choose-your-own-adventure uh, narrative that we had on YouTube called The Birthday Party. Um, and, and from there, then on, it was just like, okay, this clicks, this works. We, we, we check a lot of the, a lot of the boxes to do all these low budget productions ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, and from that we got VHS and then we just kept trying to build on it from, from there on out. But it's, it's a matter of just like being friends, having similar interests and then actually enjoying the process and enjoying the compliments of each other. Compliments? I don't never complimented you. That was a lovely answer. You never have. That's very true. (laughs) Articulate, and I'm happy to be working with you. (laughs) Guys. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's a pretty incredible time period where, uh, I mean, I feel like 20 years ago, aspiring filmmakers, they didn't have YouTube. That is enabling a lot of filmmakers now. Fidi Alvarez is the most quintessential example um, where it just it seemed to happen overnight for him, practically, although his his first movie obviously took to his short film took a while to make. But when it was online. Apparently Kanye found it and then he, he got a deal shortly thereafter. But was there a you guys have been putting out a lot of stuff for a while. Was there any one of those individual movies that kind of hit or clicked that led to VHS and then um, eventually to, to Devil's Do? Was there anything that that felt like kind of quintessential to getting you guys further along? That's that's an interesting question. I, I mean, I, I think that. You know, for the longest time, again, we, we weren't really making anything for a specific audience or with any real goal in mind. I think it was always to entertain ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and I think it was a lot of a lot of what was happening during 
the earlier, you know, the earlier shoots in our collaboration and our sort of earlier years together was this, was this the cementing of like what our, what our voice and our, and our vision collectively was going to be. And I think that, you know, we, we couldn't really, we couldn't really speak specifically about when that happened, but I think that we all just at some point were like, Oh yeah, this, this is the right choice. And we all would kind of collectively agree that it was the right choice. And I think that's really the, the sort of mojo, the weird mojo of the group is that we, we very typically like, if there's a debate among, among the three of us, we, the, the thing that we're debating is probably not either of the things that people are defending are probably not the right answer. And we found very naturally that like when the right answer presented itself, it was like, Oh shit, this is the, this is the thing. This is the direction. This is the approach. And it felt like that was really a part of, of our stuff from very early on. But more specifically, I mean, Mount, Mountain Devil Prank fails horribly, which YouTube just flagged and, and pulled off of YouTube, those fuckers, because it, apparently it's a prank video, even though it's completely fictionalized. That was short, that was the short that got us, that got us VHS. Brad Miskasat reached out to us. And that was the that was the short. It's it's basically like these 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 three dudes, three buddies are dicking around trying to prank one of their friends, uh, you know, using this this urban legend in the forest, and they go out there, realize it's a reverse prank, and then the monster is real. So it, it's it's got all of this like very grounded, um, you know, sense of, sense of humor, and and then there's this big sort of wild over delivery on what the monster is, and and that was, I think, I mean, what is it, guys? Like three minutes and forty five seconds long, and it kind of is like our tone in a, yeah. in a nutshell. Um, but but I that's, can't believe they took it down. I it's such a bummer. It's insane. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. Well, it's back um, up. It's I just saw it. I saw it pretty recently. It's it's somewhere on YouTube. So they must have put it back up. It's all it's all over YouTube. It's just not on our page. Oh, got it. <laughs> that's pretty ridiculous. You. Oh, you've seen it, but yeah. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I I just googled Mountain Devil prank fails horribly and uh, and oh it shows God. up. Guys, it's like there's like thirty or forty of them. Yeah. <laughs> just what, are not they, what are they doing? So stupid. <laughs> yeah, those monsters looked pretty cool. By the way, were those? Uh, how did you guys get those made? Uh, one of the dudes who was who was a part of our group early on, Justin Martinez. He he's a self-taught visual effects artist, and he for I don't know what three. three Five, five years, four years worked with us on all of our on all of our DIY shoots and in the end and on Devil's Due. He did a lot of the effects on Devil's Due as well. And um, he's just he's great, man. He is like a completely like just self-taught in every way. Learned all those programs, just watching tutorials on YouTube and just playing around. Oh, nice. And, um, yeah. And he's he, he created the he created the Mountain Devil. That's that cool. Short. Yeah, I did have a question about Devil's Due. Was that um, that belly effect where her her stomach just warps? That looked like it. It looked really good. It looked like it was done practically. Was it done? How how did you guys do that one? Little geek out question, but how did you do the belly in Devil's Due? That was we had a was mechanical, and then like enhances VFX. Got so it. we had the mechanical um, belly, and there was like a puppeteer, I guess, or a controller right next to. Allison Miller on the couch, and then uh, and then we we added like veins and stuff and visual effects just to really go for it there. Yeah, the blend between practice doing as much as you can do on set and then accenting it with with VFX is exactly yeah the future. Yeah, it's it's where it's all going. I think cool. 
The other thing I just realized is you guys did that devil baby stunt that was just going super <laughs> viral a couple of years ago. I didn't realize, I just in doing research, like, holy shit, that was these guys. That was so unbelievable. It, it seemed to come around a time when there were, there were a few examples of that being done. There weren't a lot of them. There was the, obviously there was the carry stunt. There was the one that you guys did. And then there was a really extreme one that was done for the conjuring two. That was just so fucking intense. They couldn't do it in America. I think they did it somewhere in like South America where they really did Entire one, house. or was that a different one? That was like the girl in the mirror, right? I, the one I'm thinking of was in a house, and they tell they apparently have somebody who's there to be a caretaker, and they show up, and there's this woman who just starts exhibiting demonic behavior, and she starts floating, and then the nun comes out of a mirror, and it's just yeah. you see these people they're about to have a heart attack. There's right. way too much of a liability for them to ever have done that in uh, in America, but um, but how did that for, for people who don't know? I'll just quickly recap. You guys had a baby carriage running around New York that kind of looked like the opening sequence of Ghostbusters 2. And then when people looked in it, it was just demonic baby that popped out and started spewing vomit everywhere. And people were obviously freaking out about it. But it was it just beautifully executed stunt. How did that how did that possibly come about? Uh, that You know, that's it's funny you mentioned that. We actually had very little to do with that. I mean, we were you know, working on Devil's Due, finishing it up, and the at marketing at Fox kept saying, like, you know, we got to do something viral, which in our brain was always like, you don't just do something viral. Like, right. they, you, you know, the more you you reach for that, the, you know, the harder you're going to fall. And, I mean, they proved us wrong because that thing went <laughs> fucking insane. Uh, but, yeah, so they, you know, we went out there and hung out with those guys. I, does anybody remember the name of their company? They did the care. Yeah. Think Moto is the company. They know, they know, they're behind all of those those kind of all the ones you just talked yeah, about. Really campaigns. Yeah, and they 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 were like awesome guys, and they they you know we just went out there for like a day and did exactly what you ended up seeing. And I remember when we left, we were thinking like, who's ever actually going to watch that? Like, what the fuck? And then you know, a week later, it's like Anderson Cooper is top of his ridiculous. Whoa! <laughs> it's like, yeah, what? <laughs> Yeah. So and then, but the, you know the 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 funny, funny not funny other side of that is it still doesn't in any way, shape, or form affect the movie. Like nobody, nobody sees that and is like, shit, gotta buy a ticket to the movie. <laughs> um, it, it, which is why I think you don't see them much anymore, is because you had these really successful ones uh, as as viral marketing that didn't actually affect the sale, the ticket sales at all. Um, but it was fun, and those guys were awesome, and I mean they did a killer job. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I feel like you don't see those anymore. But there was a time when when they were showing up pretty frequently, and it was yeah. it was definitely a lot of fun. They were a big thing for like a year and a half there. Yeah, there's just a huge gap between experiencing watching a video like that at home on your computer and buying a ticket and going to the theater to see the movie that it was advertising that is probably not anything like the ad that you saw. Right. So I, I think that it's. Is this very strange? There's just very little translation in the the sort of size and visibility of something like that. Yeah, to box dollars, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> now, I would personally would love to see more of them, but I mean, I think there's 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 like a heart attack liability in some cases for people for the particularly for the more extreme ones. <laughs> oh yeah, spoiler! I don't want to like the, the the people were warned before they walked up to it. Oh but really? They, were like, they had to sign waivers. Yeah. They had to sign waivers, but they weren't 
but they weren't told what it was. They were just like, hey, you know, you want to walk by this thing and something might may or may not happen. I think for exactly that. Oh, reason. man. You just told me Santa Claus didn't exist. <laughs> I know. Art is- <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> no, it's all fake. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so a little bit of a, a geeky question. So before Spielberg does any movie, he, there's four movies that he watches. I can probably name them. He watches Seven Samurai, It's a Wonderful Life, The Searchers, and Lawrence of Arabia. And he just kind of level sets for every single movie. Do you guys have any either movie awesome. list that you guys look or look at before you approach a project or any ritual to level set prior to approaching a project just to kind of go back to the well, so to speak? Well, that, that's, that's a great question. Um, I don't know if it's like before every project, but there's like definitely we have lists of things we watch at least once a year, if not twice a year. And 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 go from there um, just for inspiration. Like uh, Goodfellas is definitely one that we visit all the time. Um, Goodfellas, uh, The Shining. Um, I mean, I watch Repo Man all the time just to like kind of like before movies just to kind of like remind myself of like what a weird tone is. You know, it's like a movie that's so specifically bizarre, but works perfectly. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, the Big Lebowski is something I could probably watch once a quarter, if not. <laughs> yeah, and the big fun ones, like, you know, I think that we all really love kind of crowd pleasers, like Edge of Tomorrow is one that we reference a lot. Attack the Block, like the movies, movies that are just paced, you know, like paced up to the nines. They just sort of start and it's an experience that kind of happens to you and then it's over and you can't wait to have the experience again. Um, those are ones we reference and, and watch with with frequency. But I don't. I don't think there are any that are. I think honestly, I also think that's sort of a project by project basis. You know, I think we pull. And it's one of the things that we that we love to do in our projects is to, or or and in the projects we choose are to choose things that are kind of tonally a little bit amorphous, right? That that sort of borrow tones like from a bunch of different things. There's a little bit of humor and horror and thriller and and but that when they're all together, it all feels like a singular, like a singular thing. So we right. we, we try to not get go too far like into any genre because the movies that we all really love and the things that really affected us and made us want to be filmmakers are are the movies that can pivot and do all of those things in the course of one story. Um, so our our yeah our our sort of our inspirations are it's it's a very long and very eclectic list of things that keeps us inspired as we're working on something. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned the idea of a, a movie, kind of an experiential movie, where it's an event and you go through it and you just, it's a kind of self-contained, almost feature-length thrill ride. And some movies have that feeling and some don't. And I, I, Ready or Not, totally had that in a huge way. It just felt like that was a fun time. It was a great night out at the movies. It just, it felt like an event. So it's interesting to hear that you guys, you know, either consciously or subconsciously, would look at movies that did also have that same feeling because this this was, for lack of a better term, an, like an event movie. You know, it, it really had that feel to it for sure. I mean, we talked about with this movie, we talked about so many of the kind of survive the night movies like Into the Night, Adventures in Babysitting, you know, Our After dreams. Hours. Like there were so many that we just discussed. And like, how do you how do you just have a character that basically at dawn has to get to or dusk has to get to dawn? Yeah, yeah. Were there any kind of big lessons throughout the course of your career that, um, you know, that you either wished you knew starting out or just any overall 
kind of golden pieces of advice for those aspiring horror filmmakers out there? Yeah, geez, I think we, I think we all probably have some something that we'd say, and it'd probably be different from all of us, um, and also oddly <laughs> the same. I, I, I would say to just keep making stuff. Like none of it, you're never gonna know like what's what's gonna connect and what isn't. If you connect to it, that's I think that's all that ultimately matters. And and right, because anything that you make is just a reflection of your of your taste, and and hopefully it you find and it finds people that have a similar taste and and. You, that dialogue then begins, but you never really know. There's so many variables and, and, and you never know what's going to happen or not with any given project, but to just, when one of them is finished to not be overly precious about it and just like start the next thing. And, um, and, and just keep, keep pushing forward. Dude, do you have any other, any other <laughs> pearls of wisdom? I mean, that's the key one. The one we always talk about is just, and it's, it, I guess the flip side of that too is, persistence just in in the general sense of like like anything you will maybe not but 99 out of 100 you're not going to be good when you start you know it's like hey nobody is at anything and then you keep practicing and you keep learning and at some point hopefully you get at least like capable and you know it's 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 i think it's this there's this like common kind of myth that you might write like a great screenplay or make a great movie, which is of course the goal. And that'd be amazing and best of luck. But it's like that process of getting there is very, very long. And, and it, but the, the key I think is, you know, and we've kind of been dancing around this whole time is just enjoy yourself while you're doing it. You know I mean? We were making movies for nothing, for no one, for like the better part of a decade before anything really started to work out. And, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a struggle, but if you make it a fun struggle, and you know that that that's worth it like cuz you're still doing what you love and at the end of the day it's like you know no one no one no one can ever take that away from you so so if you're in be in and enjoy it and have fun with it and don't 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 this is kind of what Tyler was saying like don't don't put don't be too precious about the thing that you're doing now because you know you just never know like you just yeah, never know to look back and have the thing made then look back and go wow I've, I abandoned that because I got I got freaked out or I got bogged down or I didn't think I could do it or I became sort of overly precious it's so much more fun to look back and go oh shit we made a really bad thing <laughs> than to look back and go man we never completed that I never completed that thing like that's that's a much worse feeling for us than specifically to like horror filmmakers I, I would say to not to not be hamstrung by what you think the definition of the genre is because that's i think that's something that we learned fairly early on because i don't i don't think we've ever considered ourselves or would never have considered ourselves like horror directors and i think you you know if you make something and that that has some success in that space you know people have a really specific idea or a lot of people have a really specific idea of what that is and it's all but it's all fucking subjective like to us you know Ready or Not has a lot of horror elements, but it's also has a lot of other things happening in it. And all of those things are a reflection of the things that we love, the things that we think are scary and funny and, and interesting and significant. And the fact that we care about those things and that we cared about them to the, the degree that we did is, is the reason why they're all allowed to exist cohesively in one project. It'd be very easy to just choose the horror lane for Ready or Not. Just like make the movie that one thing but 
we we just wanted it we wanted it to be more than that and and it's okay to it's okay to do that and to mm-hmm. and to not and to feel like you can still you can still make a movie that pleases genre fans but it can also be a lot of other things and and to not to not be afraid if your intuition is telling you like oh shit this can be a lot of this can be a bit of this and a bit of that to follow that that it doesn't just have to be this sort of you know headline definition of what genre filmmaking or horror filmmaking is yeah yeah and i mean the big thing about ready or not was it obviously was it had some very funny moments to it but it didn't feel like you tried to make it funny it just naturally was funny i mean yeah there were some jokes in there um but it didn't feel like you approached it trying to make it funny. I feel like when you kind of, I heard that the the ideal balance between horror and comedy is eighty percent scary, twenty percent funny. And uh, but with that in mind, did you guys uh, approach it with the comedy in mind in any way? Because it felt very naturally funny. Like I would imagine there were scenes that people laughed at that you didn't expect them to laugh at. But was there any sort of preconceived notion of how you were you were going to inject comedy into the movie, or did it all just kind of come together cohesively? Um, I mean, we talked about it uh, to insane lengths because a lot of the process of getting the movie made was talking the studio into that tone. Well, not talking them into it, but making them believe that we could pull it off. Um, but it's funny because, you know, and again, this goes back to the stuff we did when we were doing Chad Man Rob stuff, which was our YouTube thing, is we never, that was like a comedy thing, but we never thought of it as funny like we never wrote jokes we never did punchlines we never did any of that um because for us the, the stuff that we love is kind of what you're talking about where it's like let's not worry about exactly the funny parts let's just make sure that there's a collision of character and story at certain points throughout it that w- are just inherently hilarious and then you know when you get there you kind of figure out how to do that and we had a lot of help in ready or not from like adam brody who has like some of the best comic timing of anyone that i can think of um and then and then you know when you're in the edit you're still you're still kind of finding it and being like well how can we punch this up a little bit or sometimes go the other direction and be like this is too funny right now and if this is that funny it kills the the tension we need to carry us into the next scene so it's a constant balancing act but it is it's something we're constantly aware of and and and, you know it's, it's like tyler was saying it's all of our favorite movies growing up are Maybe they're technically horror movies, but they're really funny. Or maybe they're comedies, but they're kind of scary. Or you know. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, last last couple of questions. I mean, throughout the course of um, your guys's career, I mean, typically when it comes to filmmaking, there's always that sort of dark night of the soul, right? Where somebody's been working really hard and something's either not working out or something gets stuck in production hell. Was there any time period like that for you guys? And was there any inspirational tale of how you were able to get through that dark night of the soul to kind of ultimately achieve what you wanted to? Well, that's a great question. I, I mean, I, th- there's always going to be barriers, and I think there's always going to be people who say, "No, that's not good." But like again, it's going back to like the the answers Matt and Tyler both gave on um, what does it take to to get into it is a just do it, which is a very fortunate you know you, you just put yourself in that posi- position to succeed um, and have a very a lot of confidence in your own voice and making sure that it's going to find a home sometimes. Um, and then the third part of that is being open to discussions and collaborations with others, because if you think you're going to be an auteur and you're just going to do it all on your own, 
you're going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. And you, and no matter what, it takes a lot of people to get any project greenlit or made or, or even like a script sale. It takes a lot of people and a lot of notes and a lot of people agreeing on anything. So there, it, no matter what phase of the process you're in, I think a little bit of collaboration goes a long way and being open to that. Um, and it actually makes you even more confident in your voice. So I, I think it's a very important thing um, to to embrace, you know, uh, along the way. Because there are times when we we didn't have, you know, money for rent, but we would be like, all right, cool, let's make let's make a video and put it up on YouTube. And you know, and and I think we found our 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 happiness and our solace and and, and everything from that by by creating and by getting things out there and being like seeing like reactions from um people in any type of way watching our stuff and enjoying that and we're like all right cool we're on the right track there are going to be hurdles we're going to fall on our face more than once um but let's just keep getting up and and keep getting better and keep and, and keep motivating each other to to come to work the next day and that by the way that happens at all i think at all points in in your career I yeah mean, let's say like devils, devils do was probably the dark night most recent dark night for us. <laughs> right. that, that movie we we had you know we'd been coming off of making stuff with our own money with our buddies and we got to make a studio film which you know is a a fraction of a fraction of a percentage of people ever get that opportunity and it, we were just so blown away and so grateful and so humbled to get to do it and we had a really great experience I man i think that we we built a great crew and we made a lot of memories and a lot of good friends. And, and I think we made an okay movie. Like I, you know, I think you go back and watch it and we're proud of it. And I don't think we would do the experience any differently, but the aftermath of it was scary. You know, I think that you mm -hmm. find, we found out really quickly kind of how, how sort of fickle the business of this can be and how you can, you can achieve something that you never imagined you'd achieve and that it can still oddly not go the way you want it to go. That there are a lot of, a lot of levels to, to that, um, to the outcome of something like that. And ultimately, you know, I think it's, I think it, our, our phone stopped ringing and it was like, shit, we're not, we're not gonna, we've got to start, we got to figure this out again. We've got to go back to the way of making things that got us on the path to begin with. And that's how that's how Southbound came about. We got we got really sick after after a year and a half, two years of just development and like trying to get things going and not getting any momentum or our foothold anywhere. We're like, fuck it. Like, why are we asking for permission now? We've never asked for permission before. So let's go make let's go make a project. And, you know, that's we, we thankfully like Brad Miska, who's always been such a great friend of ours and an advocate of ours and a collaborator of ours. He's like, yeah, let's let's fucking make something. I got a thing. Like, what, why don't I give you guys the reins on on a new anthology and and um, let's see if we can get it going. And we wrote like a, a three page, four page treatment for our segments of Southbound, and we were shooting that project. I don't know, nine months, ten months later, and it not was like, even like not five even. months later. Yeah. yeah, and it was like, right, that's what that's what this is like it's about it's not about the outcome it's about the doing of the thing and that was but it took us it took us a minute to like lick our wounds and figure out what the fuck that process was and what was good about it and separate the good from the bad and the things that you can change and want to do better from the things that are just they that just are and you have no control over and you know i, I that that was a i mean it was a harrowing experience and and i think we it learned also a ton from it
And also just to add to that, it also it also helps us going forward because then we kind of taught ourselves that even even when you know shit falls apart and fails, we can still go make something. You know, it's like you can have five million dollars, or ten million dollars, or uh, ten thousand dollars, or a hundred dollars. You there because of technology now, we have the ability to make something. You know, like if if our phones stop ringing again tomorrow, we can still go make something for almost no money. And it'll still be fulfilling. So it, it really it really helped us moving forward to be a little bolder and be like, cool, let's let's not go for the obvious thing. Let's go for the thing that's a little bit off kilter that we really believe in. And if it doesn't work out, we kind of have a, a safe place that we can go and still create. Wow, that's huge. Well, great. Last question. Um, obviously, when it comes to filmmaking, writing, uh, and just directing in general, there's a lot of books, there's a lot of resources, there's a lot of, and a lot of it's just kind of fluffy and written by people who, you know, haven't actually done it. But that being said, were there any, uh, either resources or books or anything that significantly helped any of you guys along the way, either professionally or inter- artistically? I mean, lots of books. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the ones that really stood out. I have, I have a I know one that that I go to all the fucking time and I can never remember the name of it and I'm not joking I always have to look it up because I can never fucking remember the name and when when uh, we had a kid a couple years ago I had to put all my books into storage so is it the right one or missing yeah it's the one it's the Christopher Vogler one yeah it's it's like uh, the writer's journey it's based on you know yeah, yeah, I have it right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's you, uh, my, it's friend, my friend Colleen, who was a writer when I, we were like, we worked at New Line together and then she's gone on to have become a very successful writer. And I remember when we were both just like wanting to be writers, she gave it to me and was like, a friend gave me this. And it, it's kind of this thing that got passed down. And I still, that was 20 years ago. And I still use it every time we go into a project. I kind of check it out. It's like, what's it called, Chad? It's the writer's journey, mythic structure for writers. That's it. Yeah, Christopher Vogel. Fucking jam. Yeah. yeah, it's Easy Writers, Raging Bulls was one that always kind of inspired me. The Peter Biskin book about like you know yeah, the great filmmakers of the seventies. Like that's I think that the the books that kind of pull the veil off of these icons, who you know we we just we we watch obsessively because they're so great at their they're so great at their craft that it feels sort of impossible to attain that level of skill but when you go back and you read how they all started it's exactly how everyone starts it's like them and and some of their friends are like fuck i guess we should make something i had this weird idea and and then you have you know spielberg and scorsese and coppola and like all of these greats that, that it all i, I think all of the people who we who we aspire to to emulate and, and whose stories we love and whose movies we watch over and over and over again, it's so nice to to read about how their beginnings had this sort of similar excitement and this you know this they had this similar sort of appetite for the experience that we do and and those those that book has always been that's one I should reread. That's a really fun inspiring book. It makes them all sound like mere mortals. It seems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is honestly like the, the the glamorous part of this is kind of all bullshit. Like that's the sort of fabricated thing. Like the, the work that it, that you go through to get the thing that people have this this sort of untouchable impression of. It's always like 
it's always really about getting dirt under your nails and it's always hard and it's fighting battles and it's having fun, but it's always work. And it's, it's nice to just be reminded that, that that exists for everybody. The process is kind of the same for everyone. Sometimes you have more money and you have more support and you have more experience. So you've learned more lessons, but at the end of the day, like the rubber meets the road in the same way, I think on all, on all movies to a certain degree. And it's nice to, it's nice to be reminded of that. Yeah. Awesome. Was well, there anything that you guys as a team have been wanting to take on that you either that you've been you've been meaning to to do any types of projects that you guys are looking to do next? Wow. Yeah. Um, question. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, no, I think, you know, we're always looking for things that challenge us and scare a lot of people and scare studio executives. <laughs> so I think that's exactly what we're looking for next. Um, things are even though we've had great sell. experiences with all our student studio executives. Yeah. So it should be it should be a lot of fun finding out which one goes next. We have a couple irons in the fire, but um, we'll see. We'll see which one takes the lead come awesome. January, now that everybody's out of break. Anything you're allowed to talk about yet or too early? We, we, we had an announcement for a super secret project, which was really weirdly <laughs> the Hollywood reporter. <laughs> oh, shit. It's like one we're not supposed to be talking about, but they still had to announce it. I'm like, oh, wow. Um, but it's with the producers, uh, uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. So I that's love like those guys. Of, they're fantastic. And, and we definitely dig their taste. And it might just be a, a nice little package for us to move. To oh, move that's exciting. Great. Uh, yeah, we hope it gets made because it's one of the fucking weirdest, craziest projects. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we would oh. love for people to be able to see what what this thing is. That sounds yeah. awesome. And, and you know, one of the other fun things about that is that Samara, like Grace and Ready or Not, who is one of our favorite people ever, her husband wrote it. Oh wow! Yeah, so kind Jimmy of keeping the family. Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy Morgan. Well, I can't wait to see that. Well, cool. Yeah. Guys, this was so unbelievably fun and uh, and really informative. Thanks for your time and thanks for being so generous with your knowledge. Really, really, really enjoy this conversation a lot. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for Thank you so much for having Of course. Any parting wisdom for those aspiring filmmakers out there? Hey, geez. I don't know. Other than Thank what we've said. Have fun. Yeah, have fun. <laughs> great, great. Enjoy yourselves. Have a good time. Don't take our jobs, but make a lot of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's what it all comes down to. Awesome, guys. Thank you again so much. This was really fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye, Nick. Bye. Bye. All right. How much fun was that? Now, here, as always, are some key takeaways from this conversation with Radio Silence. Number one, start or join a collective. Just about everything about filmmaking and production is grueling and difficult. Filmmaking is a marathon, and the hardest part can be breaking in. By creating a collective, Tyler, Matt, and Chad could withstand the hard parts because they had a support system between the three of them. Having a tight group of friends in your corner working together towards the same mission and helping you carry the burden can be a complete game changer. So try to find or create your tribe. A few places to start might be taking screenwriting or filmmaking courses or by hopping over to the blacklist or the bloodlist and reaching out to screenwriters and filmmakers who are writing the kind of stuff that you like or start a podcast. Having a tribe not only is much more sustainable than going it alone, but it's much more fun. 
On a psychological level, people are able to work harder and withstand more hardship if they're having fun in the process, which brings me to my next point. Number two, enjoy the process and prioritize the fun. On their path to directing features for major studios, Matt, Chad, and Tyler constantly made short movies for nobody but themselves for no money for 10 years. Their shorts primarily lived on YouTube and eventually got the attention of Brad Miska from Bloody Disgusting, who gave them a segment in the anthology film VHS. VHS led to Devil's Due, which they made for 20th Century Fox. The bottom line of their origin story is that they kept making stuff and putting it out for the fun of it with very little expectation of outcome. Because of this, their early work had a purity of vision to it that solidified their directorial style since they were making these movies entirely for themselves. But beyond this, Tyler, Matt, and Chad naturally create a very fun environment on set, which seems to be infectious throughout the cast and crew. If you look at interviews for Ready or Not, a number of celebrities talk about how much fun making that movie was. A fun set can make morale skyrocket and enable everybody to be much more resilient and willing to work harder during grueling productions because they're having fun. Try to make sure that you're having fun throughout the course of your projects. It'll carry you through the hard times and make you, as well as your cast and crew and production partners, more resilient, all of which can only make your movie better. Number three, this next point was only briefly touched on, but I think it's very worth mentioning, and that is, number three, don't abandon projects. It's better to make a bad movie than to make no movie. In addition to talent, production value, and resourcefulness, producers value commitment in the people they invest in. They want to know you can take a movie all the way. If you have a portfolio of half-finished projects, it's a red flag to anyone considering investing in you. Finish what you start. Even if it's not perfect, it can prove to producers that you you're committed. Plus, the experience can be a stepping stone for your next projects. Number four, when the chips are down, return to basic principles. After Devil's Due came out, the guys experienced somewhat of a dark night of the soul. The movie got pretty negative reviews and their phones unfortunately stopped ringing for a period. For the record, Devil's Due is a lot of fun and a great watch, but don't take my word for it. Eli Roth was extremely outspoken about how awesome and scary it was, and he really went to bat for it. It's a really worthwhile watch, and don't listen to the reviews of the haters. They're full of shit. This was an awesome movie. Regardless... After the negative reviews, Matt, Chad, and Tyler regrouped among themselves and went back to doing what they did best, making movies that they wanted to make and having fun along the way. They then approached the anthology film Southbound with full force, which got them back on their feet, after which Ready or Not was just a hop, skip, and a jump away. The lesson here is to evaluate what put you on the map in the first place and return to it frequently, especially when the chips are down. Anyway, guys, thank you again for listening. Big thank you to our guests, Radio Silence, today for taking the time. If you haven't seen Ready or Not, you really ought to drop what you're doing and check it out right away. It's a complete and total blast. Thanks again for listening to the Nick Taylor Horror Show. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could share it with your friends and family on social media. Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at I'm Nick Taylor. That's I am Nick Taylor. Same handle on Twitter. And thank you again for listening. Thank you.